What's going on, everybody? It's Joe. Before the pod starts, just want to f- address a few things. So, first, like, 15 minutes of this pod, we recorded when I had COVID, and I thought I sounded fine. I did not. So, the first 15 minutes or so of this pod might sound a little annoying on my end, so I apologize for that. But once you get past that, I think it's a pretty good pod, in my unbiased opinion. And also, we probably should have waited till the Watson news came out. But obviously, we talk a lot about, like, oh, will he be spending the whole year? Is he going to stay at six? six games. Obviously, it was only 11 games, which I guess not a lot of people saw coming, but especially not us. But nonetheless, uh, just to address those two things, as well as we talked briefly about J.C. Treader maybe coming back to the Browns, but he announced his retirement. But other than those things, uh, I think the pod's pretty good, so we'll get right on into it. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back in to another edition of the Fan Committee Football Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joe Tuman. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Michael Herrera. Mike, you're ready to talk some more AFC North? Yeah, for sure. Nah, I'm excited to talk about the Steelers and the Browns. I think it's going to be a great episode. Yeah, for sure. Continue on with our AFC North coverage. We started last podcast with the Bengals. And the Ravens, and I think, Mike, we agree those are probably the two teams that have the best chance of succeeding in this upcoming season. But uh, the Steelers and the Browns, I think, have a lot more open-endedness to their what their seasons could be. It's very up in the air with both of these teams. Like, you just don't really know what's going to happen yet, and I think that's kind of interesting. For sure, and that's what we got to talk about. So the Steelers, I think we're going to lead off with here. Against all odds, against many predictions, including my own last year, you know, they made the playoffs – in Big Ben's last year, obviously a new era coming up for them this year with Ben Roethlisberger retiring. They drafted the pit quarterback, Kenny Pickett, and they also signed Mitchell Trubisky to a two-year deal. So those two guys are in the quarterback room. Mike Tomlin, his 500 or better streak stayed alive last season despite the shaky offense, which I'll be honest, I predicted against uh, that happening, but they defied the odds and made the playoffs. So <laughs> Mike, what were your expectations for the Steelers last year and kind of as well, what do you think they're going to be like this year now that Roethlisberger's gone? Honestly, I thought the Steelers were, I mean, I, I think they finished right around where they should have. That's where I felt personally. I felt that if they make the playoffs, they're probably going to barely miss it. And if they make the playoffs, they were going to barely make it. That's kind of how I was feeling. But honestly, this year, I do not have that same confidence in them. I am very confident that this team will not be as good. It's still possible they make the playoffs considering this is a very well-coached team. Like we know Mike Tomlin's a great coach and he knows what he's doing. So like they could, but I don't think they're a great team. I do agree that I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I just think that as bad as Ben Roethlisberger and that offense was a year ago, it's still Ben Roethlisberger. He had the familiarity with the receivers. He had the familiarity with Mike Tomlin, where now Mm -hmm. you bring in Trubisky, who's looking to get his career back on track. You bring in Pickett, who... While, yes, he was the highest drafted quarterback, I don't think people are talking about him as a, you know, a, a superstar quarterback in waiting. And, you know, this team went 9-7 and seven and 1 last year, coming off that hilarious tie with the Lions, as well as their nine wins. But they got destroyed by the Chiefs in the wild card round. And, you know, it, it took the, the Colts utterly collapsing, and as well as the Chargers and Raiders not tying for the Steelers to even make the playoffs. So coming into this season, I think I agree with you. 
I don't see the roadmap for this team again in the playoffs, especially with the Ravens uh, getting back on track and probably, like we said before, uh, going to be better than them this year in both of our eyes. But sure that they might not make the playoffs, but how good do you think this team will be? Do you think they'll still be hovering around 500 or do you think they'll be worse than that? I'd say hovering around 500, like possibly a little under though. Gotcha. Well, technically they can't go 500 now because of the extra game, but yeah, well, yeah, an average team. Yeah. I think that's fair. Cause when you look at the team, the defense is still pretty formidable for the most part. Mm-hmm. The offense, I think we both agree has a lot of question marks looking at the offense first. You look at Pickett, you look at Trubisky. I think isn't it seems likely that Trubisky is going to start maybe even the whole season. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I at least I think that's the smart choice. Uh, I don't see any reason why Kenny Pickett should be starting. I think Mitch Trubisky is by far and away the best quarterback on this team. Um, Although I do see Kenny Pickett being the backup, and I see Mason Rudolph off this team because honestly, Mason Rudolph is horrendous. I think Mitch Trubisky starts this. starts the whole year because he should be he's definitely the best quarterback on this roster currently i definitely agree that like mason rudolph maybe he'll be on the team week one but by the end of the year i think they'll have traded him away for a team that might need a backup but i agree with you as well that i don't think it should be this year i think this quarterback class in general many agree is pretty weak i'm one of those people who thinks that i think letting kenny pickett take a year to learn under trubisky and learn around mike tomlin and the rest of that staff but as a backup and less forced into action i think would be a good a good outlook for him to if he is to live up to that first round billing that, you know, some people might not think he he'll be able to, I think that year year off as a rookie, that almost a red shirt year would really help him. I just think that Trubisky as, as much as he, you know, he's not worth that number two pick. He was picked by Chicago with at the same time, I think he might have his best year of his career this season because he just has better talent, you know, and he, mm-hmm. after a year of backing up Josh Allen in Buffalo, maybe his head is, he's kind of reset himself, refocused himself. And now he's, you know, he's got the chance to prove himself as a starter. And we saw the Steelers, as we mentioned before, make the playoffs with Roethlisberger last year, despite him being kind of washed up. Yeah. I think Trubisky is going to be better than big Ben. He's more mobile as well. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I think Trubisky is at the very least at the same level. Roethlisberger was last year yeah I think the year in Buffalo has really helped him because like in limited action he didn't throw away any games for him you know and like he was he was okay so I don't I think this year has helped him improve so I I would agree and just to uh put a bow on this quarterback discussion just to talk more about Kenny Pickett and that draft pick like what was your opinion of the actual selection like obviously Um, this quarterback class isn't regarded highly but what, what did you think of it I'm going to be honest, my, uh, like, how I feel about this pick was Holden's reaction when it occurred, which was yelling no in English, because uh-huh. I agree. I do not think Kenny Pickett should have been the first quarterback off the board. I don't think Penny Pickett, like, should have been a first-round draft pick, but there were other players they could have drafted ahead of him. Honestly, if they'd picked George Pickens in the first round and then Kenny Pickett in the second round, like, if they just swapped him, I would have been totally fine with that. Like, I get that, right? But I think making Kenny Pickett the only first-round quarterback in that draft is you're putting a lot of expectations on that kid. And from, like, what it seems, he's not doing amazing at camp right now. And, yeah, it's training camp. It's not a live game. That's actually a problem. 
like to me personally, because like, I feel like training camp is where you should be excelling live games. Like the preseason is where, you know, you can go through your lumps, but right now it's not, he's not doing great, but I understand also at the same time, like going from the NFL to like from NCAA to NFL is, is a very big leap, but um, I do not think he should have been a first round draft pick. I don't think that was the right choice to make, but it is what it is. Yeah. I would agree with that because I just think, I wouldn't have. I would have been okay if no quarterback went in the first round. Like a lot of people thought, Malik Willis should have been the first QB off the board, but then he fell to the third round and made everyone kind of all the analysts and fans kind of look just incorrect when nobody took him in the first two rounds at all. And now he's yeah. doing backup in Tennessee. So I guess you can't really say they should have taken Malik Willis, but I don't really think that's what you're saying. Like. To me, they should have took took an O line in round one. Their their O line is not great, right? Yeah, and we'll talk about that. But I think almost they could have waited another year to go after a quarterback. Give Trubisky a year, and then maybe there's a lot of good quarterbacks in next year's draft. They For could sure, the first rounder next year on a quarterback, or trade it up to get one next year. I mean, and what happens if Trubisky's like really good? Right, that too. Yeah. What happens if Trubisky like finally finds his stride? So, so there's like various ways they can play out. Let's say Trubisky like turns out to be great, and then Kenny Pickett's like okay. Then you keep Trubisky, and what do you do with Pickett? Here's your backup, and you hope he becomes better than Trubisky to validate that pick, or else it's a wasted selection. Or like they're yeah. both good, and then you're like, what do we do? Which one do we keep? Right, for sure. And honestly, if I had to compare it to something, there's a chance it becomes kind of like what's going on with Trey Lance in San Fran right now where they kind of just felt they had to go with him, even though Jimmy G proved himself with yeah. another NFC championship appearance. Now yeah. you can argue Trey Lance, they traded a lot of things to move up to the third pick where the Pittsburgh stayed in place and took him. I believe it was 20th overall. So not the same gravitas to the draft pick, but I think it's definitely what you're saying makes sense that if Trubisky is actually pretty good, they might wind up having to do him dirty just because they feel they need to play Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh native, native yeah. Pittsburgh quarterback. I think if assuming Trubisky is the starter, his success is going to hinge on these weapons and if they're going to continue to get better uh, to continue to succeed as they have. So I think outside of the O-line, the rest of the offense is pretty good. Like If they had the O-line they had five years ago, this team could actually probably be a little bit better. But mm-hmm. Looking at the receivers, obviously Deontay Johnson, make all the jokes you want about him, about him being having butterfingers, whatever it may be. He still hauled in a lot of catches last year yeah. uh, and is easily the best team receiver on this team, in my opinion. Chase Claypool, looking for a bounce back year. You know, he had the 10 touchdowns as a rookie, took a step back last year. And then you mentioned before, they drafted George Pickens as well, who another guy who's seen plenty of jokes and memes floated his way for his just I, I will say demeanor to put it nicely, but <laughs> the three of these receivers I think are actually all pretty good. It'll just be interesting to see if the Steelers can weaponize them properly. Yeah, no, I actually I actually like George Pickens. I know people are always making jokes about him because it's kind of easy to because he's kind of just like a character. But I actually I actually like George Pickens. I've uh, I've seen some stuff about him even from Georgia, and I wouldn't like he's definitely like a character, but it's kind of like I feel like George Pickens is kind of what. Chase Claypool wants to be because like George Pickens he's he has all this attitude on the field but he's still like a good player on the field and then you have like Chase Claypool who's like too full of himself and it's getting in the way of how good he can actually be so I think honestly like out of these starting receivers I think Chase Claypool is the weakest which is a shame because Chase Claypool could easily be the best one in this receiver group and he's just not because he's just like getting in his own way 
Um, I think the rest of this receiver group, I think the Calvin Austin draft pick, it's, it's a good pick. But after that, I think their their depth isn't amazing, but they do have three decent starting wide receivers, like as like at lowest, a decent trio. So I don't yeah. think they're too worried about the receiver depth. So I actually like don't even hate their backups if some of them can come through. Like Gunner from the Patriots, he's a good kick returner to have on the team. Yeah. Anthony Miller, like remember Anthony Miller, his first year with the Bears with Trubisky. You know, yeah. he actually that was his best season. So maybe he can recapture some chemistry. Maybe take I think number. I think it's just that they're like a little unproven. I think the Steelers are hoping that Calvin Austin and George Pickens can take those three and four spots uh, mm-hmm. by the just take the, them for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Pat Fryermuth at tight end. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited for him this year. I think he's going to be a lot better. I saw him saying that, you know, he was making fun of himself a little bit, saying that his yards per catch last year was just unacceptable. 8.3 yards per catch last year, he was saying. So uh, he's motivated to improve. This yeah. And I think he will. I think he's a very good tight end. I think he's going to follow in Gasicki's footsteps with your Dolphins as being a very good professional tight end. Yeah, I would say the only issue, like, Pat, Pat Fryerman, I think it's great. I think he's going to be a great uh, tight end. I think it's just their depth, but, like, I don't, like, these guys in the back, like, Zach Gentry has not been great, but I also don't think, like, they're really too worried about it because, like, they got free moves and they have good receivers, and I don't think they're going to be running two tight end sets. If Pat Fryermuth develops, it won't be that big a, big a concern. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. Yeah, I would agree. And just to wrap up this, the skill position on the offense, I mean, Najee obviously is the big star of this offense. Yeah. And Najee, you know, he's better in fancy right now than real life because, you know, the offensive line, as we'll get to, is very shaky. And it held him to only 3.9 yards per carry last year. But he did still had 1,200 rush yards as well as 74 receptions. So he's clearly, you know, he's, he's on the field for 90 to 100% of the snaps every game. He's a big part of this offense, the first-round pick two seasons ago. So I really think that Najee is going to be a great running back for a long time. But the question is, is this the year he can elevate himself to being an elite talent, or do you think this O-line is still going to prevent him from being like a top-three-level guy? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I do think that this O-line is definitely going to limit like what he can do right now. And it's a shame because I do think Nadia Harris is pretty good. But they have some good players, like James Daniels pretty good. But then the rest of the O-line is just kind of like okay. Yeah. And the problem is you can't really have an okay offensive line anymore in the NFL. Like You have to have a good offensive line because, I don't know, like you can't pass, you can't run if your offensive line is not good. So I think it's kind of... It's not looking great for Najee, but Najee's still really good on his own. He's definitely going to have a good season, but I don't think it's going to be as great as it could be. Yeah, I agree. I think the pass catching also helps him to not be as irrelevant as as he might be because of that poor offensive line. But I do think the Steelers, you mentioned James Daniels. They signed him from the Bears. I think him and uh, I always have trouble pronouncing his name, but Okorofor, the, the tackle, I think those two guys are pretty good on the line, but the rest of this line, like you said, is a little shaky. ESPN's got the starters listed as Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson at the left tackle, left guard, and then Mason Cole at center. I mean, I don't know much about these guys. I believe uh, Dotson and Cole were starters for the Steelers a year ago, so you know, I I would assume they didn't play too well. But, yeah, looking at the backups, you got someone like Joe Haig, who's a veteran, but a lot of these guys just aren't going to get the job done. 
for yeah. Najee Harris, as well as guys like Benny Snell as the backup running back, who I also like a little bit. I think this line is young and kind of unproven, mm-hmm. so it's not looking like, wow, this is going to go great. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that that was pretty much the main thing holding them back last year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people saw, along with Roethlisberger having a bit of a noodle arm, but that was <laughs> to be expected just because he's old uh, at his age and with the injury to the shoulder a couple years earlier. Dan Moore, if I, I was mistaken, he did play. He was a starter as well last year. He actually started every game for the Steelers. But if he's their left tackle and he was the left tackle on last year's team, I can't help but believe that he didn't have a stupendous season protecting mm. quarterback. But, you know, he is only in his second year. So, like you said, it's a young line. Hopefully they're going to hope these players can get better. But yeah. if they don't, it's going to be a repeat of last season. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we just got to wait and see with them. Right. I mean, I don't want to say they're all terrible, but they just have to prove themselves. That's It's just that simple. So, but the thing that could keep the Steelers team alive this year and at least competitive, as we mentioned before, is the defense. They got the elite talent, guys like TJ Watt, who tied Michael Strahan's sack record a year ago, which was really an incredible feat for sure. A pair with guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward are the big names on this defense, but you know, what do you think about the rest of the defense? Because I think it's definitely a solid unit, but there's there can be some concerns raised by some people that might hold it back from being a truly elite tandem. No, for sure. I totally agree. If we're talking the defensive line, I mean, the defensive line is definitely like the star of this defense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you go up each level of defense, it kind of progressively gets worse. Me personally, like I would say the linebackers are not as strong as the D-line. And, of course, the secondary is probably the least strongest in my position or opinion. And I feel that um, the secondary really – they have a lot of young players who really need to prove themselves and, like, some guys who need to bounce back. Yeah, I agree. And Minka, obviously, is probably the biggest name in the secondary, and he's definitely one of the better safeties in the NFL. Terrell Edmonds at the strong safety. He's been there a while. I think he's a solid player, but I can't say he's – lit the world on fire either but I think he's a solid option but I think the cornerback room is really where the question marks come and that was really the weakness point of the defense last year you know they got guys like Cam Sutton who was a first-time starter last year he's been with the team for a while but you know he wasn't terrible but I can't say as a number one corner that he's expected to be I can't say he's one of the better guys in the league and you know they signed Levi Wallace from the Bills who I thought was a solid uh corner for them but I think he's more of a two, and I think they're expecting him to be that here behind Cam Sutton. But if those two are your starting corners, I don't know if you're going to have a great secondary. Yeah, no, I mean, like Cam Sutton and Levi Wallace, like they've shown potential, but to rely on them as your starting cornerback duo, I think is kind of insane. I think it was kind of wild that they didn't bring back Joe Hayden mm-hmm. or at least draft someone a little higher, but you know, it is what it is. I think they, I think drafting someone would have maybe been a better option. Joe Hayden is getting a little older. He did decline sure. a bit, but That's at the same time, he could have definitely argued he was one of the leaders of this defense and maybe keeping sure. him around wouldn't have been the worst thing, but if they wanted to part ways with them, it is what it is. Another guy they do have, which I found interesting, I didn't really know about this until I was doing the research, Akella Witherspoon, who used to be on the Niners. He yeah. he came in for the Steelers the last half of the season last year. He played nine games. If you look at his stats, he was actually very, very good for them. But the yeah. question mark is, is that sustainable? Is he a, or Can he really be a starting corner full-time for this team? I think he's another name that maybe could take a leap, but it could also have been a flash in the pan. What do you think about that? Yeah, 
Um, honestly, I totally see what you're saying. Like, he definitely could improve. Like, he could could be that guy. But I think it's a little telling that Levi Wallace is still ahead of him on the depth chart. Right. And I know the depth charts at this point aren't, like, super, like, take, like, stock yeah, in them. But Akella Witherspoon, is he's been in the league longer. He's been a starter longer than Levi Wallace. You know, like, on the Niners, he was a starter for a few years. So you'd think that he would be above Levi Wallace, at least. Because Sam Cam Sutton... He started last year already for the Steelers, so it makes sense he's still a starter. Mm-hmm. But Levi Wallace over Kelly Witherspoon is not super encouraging, but it could also be that it just means that they want him as like their nickelback or something like that. So it totally depends. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how he progresses in his first full year with the Steelers. But you know, I don't want to say this secondary is going to hold this defense back entirely because I think there is the potential. But just like the O line, just like a lot of parts of this team, it's kind of young. It's on the younger side. Like even Minka is a younger player. He's already proven himself, of course, but, you know, the rest of this unit, I think, needs to take a step up if they're going to really solidify themselves as, as a as a secondary to be to be reckoned with, I, I would say. For sure. I think it's just a lot of young guys, and they just kind of need to prove themselves and develop, which is why I feel that they should have kept Joe Hayden at least as, like, a backup or, like, just, yeah. like, a mentor kind of player, but it is what it is. They also didn't draft anyone at all which I don't think is the great move, but it also means that they show faith in their players. So we'll see how that turns out for them. Yeah, definitely. But as you mentioned before, I think the front seven is certainly what's what's going to make this Steelers defense, what, in my opinion, still one of at least the the top half of the league, maybe mm-hmm. even a top 10 defense. I would expect them to be hover, hovering around there. You know, we mentioned TJ Watt. Uh a guy by the name of Alex Highsmith, who kind of broke out last year, he's going yeah. to his third year in the league. I think they're going to count on him to For take sure. a leap as the other outside linebacker here. Yeah. And I think he can do it. I think I think, believe he had about five or six sacks last season. I could see him getting maybe up around the eight range this year. You know, if you have T.J. Watt paired with you, along with Cam Hayward on the D-line, you're going to have ample opportunity to get to the quarterback because of the gravity those guys create. So I think he could get better for sure. And then Devin Bush, I think they're going to hope he can bounce back. You know, he had the ACL tear two years back, kind of trying to bounce back from it last year. They're going to hope he can get back to where he was as a rookie this coming season. And he's paired with Miles Jack now, who they signed to replace Joe Schubert as the other inside linebacker. I really actually like this linebacker core. I thought it was interesting that you said that you thought it was a little worse than the D-line because I think it maybe even be might be as good or better than the D-line in my opinion. Yeah, looking at the D-line now, I agree. I guess my big issue is, like, relying on Devin Bush still, but I guess that also speaks to why they dra- they signed Miles Jack. Um, but I think the problem is also, like, the linebackers behind them aren't excellent, so I guess that's also why Devin Bush is still starting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree with you. I think Alex Highsmith is definitely, like, kind of underrated. I mean, for a kid who was a high draft pick out of, like, UNCC, which is not a big football school, um, you know, that, like, speaks volumes of, like, how talented he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Devin Bush really needs to return to form because right now he's not really showing off that high first round draft pick uh, potential because he hasn't been the best. But, you know, the Steelers have faith in him and hopefully he can reward that faith back. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, if he's healthy and if he lives up to how he played his rookie season, I think him as the number one inside linebacker with Miles Jack. I mean, that could be a really good run stopping tandem. Absolutely. Yeah. for Sure. And then you look at the D-line, Cam Hayward, I mean, that guy's, in my opinion, a surefire Hall of Famer, maybe even a uh-huh. first ballot with the, with the way he's continued to amass productive seasons. I mean, this guy's in his 30s now, and he's continuing to be one of the better interior defensive linemen in the league. 
And then they brought in Larry Ogunjobi, who had a bounce back year at the Bengals last year. He had seven sacks at the D tackle. You pair him with Tyson Alu Alu. I think I he's been on this team for so long. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name, but I've never gotten it concretely down 100. <laughs> percent But he's there yeah. still, of course. And then uh, they drafted Demarvin Leal in the third round. I think he might actually play a little bit as well. But you know, I don't hate their D line. I think it's pretty good. But I actually think the linebacker core is better. Of course, that's also powered by T.J. Watt, but I guess you could argue he's also kind of a D lineman since he's a pass rusher. But yeah, whatever you, however you look at it, I think I think the best way to put it is that like the front seven is very right. solid for sure. I, guess I think that's, I, I, I would agree. Yeah, because I feel like the starters are the good players, and then there's no like super reliable backups. And that's like true. yeah, some of the like Chris Wormley's good or like Robert Spillane, but like there's a lot of like young guys back here. But also, like, they do have the star power in that front seven. And I think they're going to be okay. I mean, the front seven, I mean, they've got Mike Tomlin. They brought in Brian Flores. Like, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, that's a great point. I totally forgot that. We're going to have Brian Flores coaching guys like Devin Bush and Miles Jack as the linebackers coach. I mean, this is a guy, you know, say what you will about his Dolphins tenure. But this is a guy who had success as a head coach. He's uh-huh. taken a major step back in terms of what his job title is. And that's really just because – I think he wanted a nice transition year for himself before he can try to get back into the head coaching race. But you're pairing Brian Flores with Mike Tomlin and then Terrell Austin as the new defensive coordinator who has experience as the D coordinator with the Lions. And they had some good defenses back in the mid 2010s as well. I mean, the coaching to go with this front seven unit, I think is definitely that's why I think you have to have faith that the Steelers will at least be one of the best front sevens in the league the secondary will decide if they can really be an elite defense. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. I think Brian Force is huge for this team, and I, I may have some of my issues with him because uh, of some of his tenure with the Dolphins, but I can't admit that the guy's a great coach. I, you mentioned this to me before about your feelings on Minka. What do you think about him reuniting with Brian Flores here? Um, I think that's kind of interesting i guess brian flores just interject real fast i guess he's only the linebackers coach so he won't be like super interacting with minka but yeah it could be contentious because i know he's also considered like a defensive assistant like dc assistant um but i know like minka fitzpatrick's biggest issue was like brian flores maybe minka's matured or you know brian flores is a grown man he probably just doesn't care yeah Um, because i mean he traded him away and he didn't care about that either so and Mink um, has been pretty, you know, set in stone as the Steelers' top D-back for a couple of years now. So. Yeah, for sure. So, like, it's probably just, like, old news at this point. Right. Like, whatever happened, happened. You know, the NFL is a business at the end of the day, and obviously sometimes the players are done dirty. But, you know, it is what it is, and that's just the nature of the business. Definitely. I think, especially with the Steelers, they're a professional organization. We know that. I mean, I think, I think it will work out fine. But moving on from the defense here, just to look at their schedule this season, they may be a professional organization, but as we mentioned before, can they continue to be a playoff organization? I think that is a question we both have. And looking at their schedule, just to run it through, so they're week one, they're in Cincy, then they got the Patriots, they're in Cleveland, home for the Jets, in Buffalo, home for Tampa, visiting your Dolphins, visiting the Eagles, they got a week nine bye, then they're home for the Saints and and Bengals back-to-back weeks, road for the Colts, road for the Falcons, home for Baltimore, in Carolina, home for Vegas, in Baltimore, and then home for Cleveland to wrap up the season. There's a lot to digest there. I actually think this is a really hard schedule. Yeah. And 
even though I really like this defense, and even though I, I, as I mentioned, I think the offense has a little bit of upside, just yet you're hoping Trubisky at least improves a little bit. At the same time, I just think that, you know, we covered the two teams in this division before the Ravens and the Bengals. I think we both agree those are the two best teams in the division. I don't know. I don't see the roadmap for the Steelers to make the playoffs. What do you say? Uh, I agree. I think there's like still a chance they slip in because I think this defense is really good. And there's a chance that the offense like works out well enough because I think the offense is what's really holding back the team as it stands. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if they can make things work well enough, there's it's not impossible for them to make the playoffs. I do feel it's unlikely, though. But I don't think he never really count out Mike Tomlin because, you know, he never never finishes below 500. Me personally, I feel it's like 60% chance they miss the playoffs and a 40% chance they make it, but still get bounced in the first round. Yeah. So like either way, I don't think I don't think the Steelers are going very far if they do make the playoffs, but I also don't think they really are. I do agree that this schedule does seem pretty tough. Like I feel like the Bengals, Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, Saints, like these are all tough teams to beat. The Colts, Ravens. Yeah. Vegas, yeah, like those are a lot of teams that are pretty good. And obviously, of course, you never know how the season turns out. Like, you know, maybe the Bengals collapse. And I don't think that's entirely impossible because, like, Super Bowl hangover is real. True, true. For a lot of teams, losing the, getting to the Super Bowl and losing is, like, the peak. You never know with the Bengals. But the Bengals, I still feel, are a better team regardless. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot of tough games on this schedule. Very few that I would say are, like, easy wins. I only had two, like, locked-up wins for this team against Atlanta and Carolina. You know, you could argue that the Jets should be in there. Actually, the Jets playing them in week four, like we'll have to see with with Zach Wilson's uh, injury last night. I mean, he's only going to miss four weeks, so I think he'll be back for that. But that could be like his first game. So maybe I should add the Jets to my guaranteed wins for this team. But looking at it, like I think they're probably – my prediction would be seven and ten. I think this team's going to fight till the end of the season. Like Mike Tomlin's not going to like tank. I think this team has a ton of talent. There's no reason they should bow out, but I just don't in the AFC. Like I, I think we know, both agree the AFC is going to be a very tough conference. I just don't see the roadmap. Do you think that's a fair prediction? No, I totally agree. I think seven and ten, like eight and nine, I think is like yeah. the right prediction right. for them. I think that's right about where they should be. Yeah, I, I we'll have to see. I think this team has potential, but you know, I think maybe they're hoping if Kenny Pickett can live up to the hype that they put around him. Maybe in a year or two, this team can get back to contending with the defense. But as of right now, I think this is a bit of a transition year for the Steelers. And, you know, maybe maybe they'll they'll get a like the 12th, 14th pick in the draft. Maybe they'll finally take a transformative offensive lineman to, to protect their quarterback. But we'll have to see. But I think that's a good outlook on the Steelers for this season. Competitive, but not a playoff team. Yeah. Do you know what's kind of funny about that? I uh, looked up like the Vegas odds, and currently yeah. they're they're over under is seven and a half wins. Okay, well I'll so take like, I'll take the under. Yeah, so it's <laughs> right about where we predicted. So I yeah. think interesting. Yeah. I think um, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do think you're right. I think they're gonna fight, and they're gonna be in contention to like possibly sneak into the playoffs. But um, I just don't see it with that schedule. I mean, there's always the possibility. There's always a world where it happens, but I yeah. just don't see it. I don't think it's very likely. Yeah. I mean, as we said before. This is kind of how I felt about the team last year. They still got in, but yeah. I don't know. I'm going to stick to my guns again this year and predict them not to make, make the playoffs. Yeah, now, I would say this team is worse than last year anyways. So Yeah, I agree. I agree. So speaking of 
worse than last year. You know, we can move on to the final team in this division. The Cleveland Browns just make me mad, man. Like they, I was so ready to, I, I power ranked this team. I do my rankings every year. I had the number one on my rankings last year. I thought they were going to take a huge leap after their playoff return against the Steelers. They had that huge win. They fought yeah. with the chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the combination of the elite O-line, the great defense, the good running backs. And I thought Baker, I thought he could be a Jimmy Garoppolo type where if he had that protection, he would be able to have time to throw and play well. Obviously he dealt with the injury and we can get into how they've handled everything since then. But looking at this team now, I'm just not happy with what they've done. No, I agree. I think that they've just made a lot of confusing decisions with signings, trades, personnel decisions. Like there's a lot going on with this team that I just, I have no faith in. And you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. Like you said, like you really thought after their playoff win, like, wow, the Browns are finally like, we're not going to laugh at them anymore. We're going to be like, wow, the Browns, like this is a good team. And look where we are. We've got their starting quarterback suspended. Um, Their receiving court has been decimated. Um, Yeah their star backup running back wants to be traded. Mm-hmm. This defense is questionable at best because there's a few star players on here, yeah. but there's a lot of players that they're counting on to like really step up. And I don't think that's fair to, to do that to those players. Just a lot that I don't like about the team. I don't like their draft either. I think their draft was not amazing. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot going on here. Yeah. I, obviously let's just get the Watson stuff out of the way. Cause I don't even want to talk about that loser, but Here's the thing, like, it's one thing to take the gamble. Like, I'm not going to say the Browns, the Browns were not the only team trying to get to Deshaun Watson. Like, I For understand sure. that. Yeah. But to completely guarantee his contract when you sure. know all these things going around mm-hmm. and now he's at least suspended six games, uh, he might wind up getting suspended the whole year. It's just insane. And to combine that with how they handled the Baker situation where this is a guy who say what you want about him, I don't think – obviously, I think you'd agree he's not going to turn out to be worth of, worth that number one overall selection. But this is still the guy that got you back to the playoffs, put together a few good seasons for you, played through a major – not a major injury, but a pretty significant injury last year the whole season. You still won – I believe they won eight games. Uh-huh. I, I, I just don't like how they handled everything involving that quarterback position. I just thought it was really – just a really crappy way to – handle business i know like you said before the nfl is a business but you can, you can still be a little respectful about how you handle it no i totally agree i think that just like top to bottom just just yes they're doing browns things again it's it's a shame because you know last year they really turned it around for one season and 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 look where we are again we're back at the browns suck it's so ironic or not ironic but like it's so funny that like it's such a Browns thing to make the playoffs, to be on an upwards trend and then shove it back downwards again. Right. right. Like, I don't know. I think it's absurd. Um, I mean, honestly, all I can, what, what I have to say about the song, Deshaun Watson situation is terrible person, terrible decision by the GM. And you know what? That's on them, but that's whatever. But I mean, also he didn't play besides like him ethically and morally as a person being a terrible human being. He also didn't play amazing in the playoff or the preseason game. Yeah. That's not (laughs) good news either. Like you, you bank your whole future on this guy, guarantee his contract, trade away a bunch of huge early picks for what a guy who hasn't played in like almost two years. 
Yeah. I mean, 19 months, that's what they were saying yesterday. The guy hasn't played since the 2020 season with the Texans where they were four and 12. Watson was good that year. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to deny his talent. Like I was very high on Watson. I love, I love, I'll go, I'll say he was one of my favorite like picks to be the next big superstar in the league just two years ago. But you know, I, I understood his frustration with Houston because they weren't doing good. They weren't handling their team well either at all. But then it just, you know, we, we find out what kind of guy he is. It just collapses around him. And now we're looking at this Cleveland team. The funny thing is we're talking about the suspension, but really, like, it's only going to be this season at most. And next year he'll be back. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess you just have to take it for what it is. We, we can't – we can only talk about how messed up it is so much. We got to – I want to cover the rest of the team. So, but yeah. I think we've made our feelings clear on Watson. So yeah, the it's problem, also hard. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, even if like the, the thing is like the six games, or as it stands, six games, he suspended, like this quarterback situation is not promising. I know. Regardless. Now, like I'm a big Jacoby fan, but I mean I, I used to be. I don't know if I can be anymore because I really liked what he did with the Colts in yeah. 2019. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, you saw him on your team last year. He was terrible for Miami last year. Yeah, I just, I don't know if it's like the scheme. Like, I agree. I was a really big fan of him on the Colts, too. I was like, I thought he was kind of dealt an unfair hand. They were trying to replace him. Like, he played yeah. good for you guys. And then he gets to the Dolphins. And it's like, I mean, the Dolphins, admittedly, were not the best team. We were not, we didn't have the weapons we needed. But like, Brissett also did not play amazingly. <laughs> like, he right. threw some mallards, but, you know, we'll see. I hope he can bounce back because I do really like Jacoby Brissett. Like, yeah. I totally agree. I really do like the guy. I have no issue with him. Um, I really liked him on the Colts. So, but it's not promising that looking like using his last film available. Yeah. It's not a promising right. look. And he didn't, I don't believe he took any preseason snaps last night, did he? Because I, I, I saw Josh Dobbs was playing, but I, I don't remember seeing Brissett. So we, we didn't get to see him there either. You know, it's going to be interesting because if Watson winds up being suspended the whole year, you know, uh, the prediction is a lot different because like I'll I'll just say if if Watson doesn't play at all, like this is going to be I would say they're going to win very few games. But since right now, as it stands, he's come back for the second half of the year. So I still think this team could be, you know, maybe a little competitive. But, you know, looking at the offense, you mentioned the receivers. Like, talk about the receiving group. Obviously, Amari Cooper, I think it was a great trade to get him for only a fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the receivers aren't exactly, you know, great. Nothing inspiring. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones, but, like, I still think he needs time to develop. Um, Like, he was, he was like, you know, like the third receiver on the offense last year, and now he's supposed to be, like, one of the main guys. I don't know. I think they're expecting a lot of also out of David Bell – Mm-hmm. And like Anthony Schwartz, like these young guys, like I don't know. And Amari Cooper, I mean, he's good. If you if something happens to Amari Cooper, like this receiving course kind of yeah. kind of screwed. Like, and, yeah. And there's there's some people that are gonna be listening there, like Joe. You love Donovan People Jones too, because I had him in our dynasty league. It was kind of a running meme that I was in love with Donovan People's Jones. But the thing is, that was when I thought, you know that the Browns were going places like as the number two receiver on the team where he's really just a deep threat, I think. And he's already had injuries. Like if we're being real, he's not exactly going to light the world on fire. I don't think David Bell's already been in the pup list. And I think he's a good prospect long-term for them, but I don't know if he's going to jump off the page as a rookie. 
So sure. I, like you said, if Cooper gets any injuries, I mean, this, this could get grim, even more grim than it already is. Yeah. And they also gave David and Joku, the tight end, a big extension. And I, in my opinion, David and Joku hasn't really lit the world on fire either. I think he's solid, but you know, they let Austin Hooper walk and it looks like they're going to let Njoku have the reins as the number one tight end. But I think they gave him close to 50 million a year or not a year, but 50 million over four years. I don't know. I wouldn't have done that contract either. Um, I, I do see where you're coming from with the contract, but I think the reason, the real reason why Njoku like hasn't really lit the world on fire is because he hasn't, I feel like he hasn't really had the chance to early in his career. He was young and tight end is notoriously a position that's difficult for players to come into like, and be successful right away. And then like two years into his career, you just bring in Austin Hooper yeah, and you're like, Hey, um, you're not the backup and we're not giving you this opportunity. Um, I think Njoku, I mean, overpaying players is kind of the norm now. So you could even say like, it's not overpaying because like he'd probably have to overpay even more for like someone else. Honestly, you could say that about a lot of players nowadays, like to make, I mean, this is like a little bit for later, but to make Denzel Ward the highest paid cornerback of all time, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of insane. Not because Denzel Ward is not good, but like, you know, he's had his injury concerns. Like you're, he's definitely going to miss a handful of games each year. That's kind of the trend with him. Yeah. So, so I think David and Joku just needs his chance. And if anything, they still have Harrison Bryant. Um, out of FAU, that's my guy. I like um, Harrison Bryan a lot. Yeah, I th- I think he's like if you know if the things don't he's work the out. Stereotypical tight end, but in the best way. I think. oh for sure no I I like Harrison Bryan also because like me personally like you know me I'm from Florida so like I'm a big fan of like all these like Florida kids and stuff like that and like Harrison Bryan's from FAU. FAU is a small school, but I do love to see when like FAU products are like successful and like stuff yeah. like that. And I I like I think he's a good tight end. So like if anything, she's off Harrison Bryant. So. Yeah, and uh, you make a good point that Njoku, I guess he's never really had the reins to be the full-time number one. He did have like a 100-yard game last year when he was the number one, when Austin Hooper was out, I believe. So that was pretty – that kind of showed his potential. So maybe Cleveland just believes in him. They've seen what the work he's put in. That's a good point. I guess it's just – I don't know. I don't know if I would have done it, but at the same time, I guess I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. No, for sure. I, to- I totally get where you're coming from. But, you know, I think I think like any young player, he still deserves his chance. And, you know, yeah. hopefully hopefully he can, you know, prove people wrong. I hope he can make show people why he was given that contract. And yeah. I mean, I like Njoku. I hope I hope he plays well. Yeah, we'll have to see. And, you know, wrapping up the offense, like the skill, the skill guys, I mean, the running back group, you alluded to the Kareem Hunt trade request earlier. And I think that comes down to that. They just don't want to pay him, you know, a ton of money again because, you know, at the end of the day, they have a ton of depth at running back now. And I actually think it would be in their benefit, the trade Kareem Hunt, because yep. I think it would be beneficial for both sides because I think it's time for Kareem Hunt to be a number one running back again. And when I look at the Browns, I think they got a ton of depth at the position. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I no, I totally agree. I think, like, honestly, the right decision is probably – I mean, I would say their offense – is their strongest point right now. If anything, you should bolster the kind of weak positions. Like I say, trade Kareem Hunt for a wide receiver. And um, I think that's where you go from there. Cause you still have Darren as Johnson and like Nick Chubb's still going to be the main starter. Like he's your bell cow. Yeah. So you don't like really need like two really good backups. You can be fine with just Darren as Johnson. And like, you know, Cleveland Browns, like we've seen, 
they've been good at developing running backs. So like with Dearness Johnson being that example. So I'm not too worried about them, like not being able to replace the Ernest Johnson role. So I think the smart decision would be to trade Kareem Hunt for a wide receiver, get someone like experienced in there to help these young guys like improve and stuff like that. And, you know, you can see what you're working with from there. I wish the NFL did more player for player trades because I think it would be interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, he's probably going to go for like a fourth round pick or something like how this is this how this usually works. I wish they could get a receiver. And you mentioned uh, Dearness Johnson. I think he definitely proved last year he's pretty good and deserved more playing time. So I think, you know, you trade Hunt. I also like Demetric Felton. I think Demetric Felton could take the pass catching duties that Kareem Hunt kind of has. And then you could also give uh, Dearness Johnson more more power looks to fill in for Nick Chubb when he needs some air. But yeah, Nick Chubb still being there. You don't necessarily need Kareem Hunt if you can get something, some assets for him and he can go be a starter elsewhere. No, for sure. I totally agree, especially because like, you know, they don't need Kareem Hunt, but they do need to help in other positions. So I think yeah. like definitely like it's in their best interest to just kind of be like, yeah, it's okay. And they yeah. also need picks after they dealt a ton for Mr. Watson, as we mentioned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anything would help. And, you know, the run game's definitely strong, and that's powered by the O-line, which is one of the best in the league, I, I still think. Uh, what, do you lo- what do you think about the O-line? Do you think they're going to continue to be as good as they've been? Yeah, I would say their O-line's pretty solid. I mean, that's, like, the one position besides running back that I think is, like, super, like, oh, this is, this is good. Yeah. You know, I think like um, obviously Jedrick Wills has had some of his like um, injury issues, but he's he's been pretty solid. Like this is a good offensive line, so yeah. I don't think there's too much to worry about. Um, although the problem is that Nick Harris did get injured uh, last yeah. night in the game, and hopefully he's okay. But it's definitely a it's definitely a loss if they lose their starting center like that. So. Well, I was thinking like JC Treader's still out there as a free agent. Why don't they just bring him back if this is a serious injury? I mean, just bring back the O-line that was so good in 2020. Might as well just run it back if Nick Harris is significantly injured. I didn't get to see uh if he if we heard anything about what happened to him. I mean, as it stands, like all we know is that like he was carted off. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, no, no breaking news, just that he was carted off. So we'll have to see. I mean but I th- oh I think wait no fix there es ESPN like ten minutes ago drop one that says knee injury likely end season Oh, that's brutal so yeah that's thanks for Nick Harris and hopefully he can have a good recovery they do have Ethan Pochich as the backup center former Seahawk but I mean like I said J C Treader is still a free agent go ahead and sign him bring him back like <laughs> he wasn't even bad last year he's he's a good player it's funny he's the president of the players association he's just a free agent yeah no for sure. So, but I like Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, one of the better guard tandems in the league. And you mentioned Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin. I think besides the center position now, I think they're pretty, you know, set in stone that this O-line is going to continue to be pretty good. For sure. I totally agree. So moving on to the defense, I'm interested to see why you have concerns about the defense. Because I still think, you know, I don't think it's amazing, but I think it's pretty solid still. You know, obviously Miles Garrett, Denzel Worley in the way. I think it's okay, but my problem is, like, I think the D-line's kind of shaky outside of Garrett and, like, Clowney. Um, I think the linebackers are counting. Like, Sione Takitaki is really good, but you're counting on Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa to, like, pop off and stuff like that. Like, Anthony Walker's, like, okay. Like, he's good, but he's nothing special. Yeah, he has a lot of tackles, but that's really it, yeah. Jeremiah, like, he's, um, you know, he's young, but he's kind of, like, a smaller linebacker. 
I think that the D line, especially, I think it's very shaky. Um, well, me personally, yeah. I'm of the opinion that I don't think Jadavion Clowney is like that amazing. Oh, I completely agree. Jadavion Clowney, he did have a bit of a bounce back last year with his nine sacks after you know a pretty injury filled ten years with the Titans and Seahawks before that. But yeah. I don't know. I think he benefited a lot from having Miles Garrett with him. For sure. I mean, the D tackles, like, you have Taven Bryant. Yeah. Like, that's not good. I, I was shocked to see that he's their top defensive tackle. I mean, that's a guy who was a first-round pick, didn't really live up to the hype in Jacksonville, hasn't really proven much. I'm not saying, like, I haven't watched any Taven Bryant tape, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not, like, doing my homework on him. But I just know that as a first-round draft pick, he has not exactly – been a top tier caliber defensive tackle. So it'll be interesting to see what they see in him. And they also have a guy named Jordan Elliott who's been on the team but hasn't played a lot. And those are guy those guys are kind of their top two D, D tackles right now. Uh far cry from when they had Larry Okanjobi in there a few years back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I still thought it was kind of I didn't understand why they got rid of Larry Okanjobi. Yeah. Like this a D line, like it's not great outside of Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney to an extent. And, um, like, you can make the argument that Jadavion Clowney will be just as good because he still has Miles Garrett to help him out. Like Miles yeah, Garrett. of course. I think Miles Garrett might be the best D-end in the league. Uh, he, he's awesome. But Jadavion Clowney's also had a very long history of injuries. And if he goes out, then Miles Garrett's pretty much going to have to do this all by himself. And, you know, I don't, I don't love that for him. I mean, the only, like, really strong point, I would say, is their, um, you know, the secondary. I think Denzel Ward, like, he's pretty good, but the issue is that Denzel Ward, he's always good to miss a handful of games. You know, and Grant Delpit, John Johnson, that's a pretty formidable safety do, all things considered. Ronnie Harrison's no slouch either, I'd say. Um, I'd say Greg Newsom and, like, Greedy Williams are good uh, secondary corners as well, but I don't like they drafted Martin Emerson as their first pick in the draft. I don't really what see that. that. It was the third round because their first pick was a uh, second second rounder, and they draft they like moved back. They traded yeah. down to the third round to draft a cornerback with their first yeah the draft, and like there are other needs, and it feels kind of weird to do that. Yeah, I, I agree because I mean Denzel Ward, yes, he has had injuries at times, but I mean he's definitely one of the better corners in the league, maybe even a top five corner for sure. Definitely a lockdown guy. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Greg Newsom was pretty solid as a rookie. I think he'll definitely get better this year. Greedy Williams, he's not terrible either. So I, I'm really, yeah, it is confusing that they they did spend a, their first pick on a corner when, like, as we've mentioned, there's plenty of other issues with the team. So you mentioned Grant Delpit. I mean, he obviously had the major injury his first year, missed the whole season. Last year he was okay. You know, I guess they're hoping he's a full-time starter this year. Um, I don't know. Like, I want him to succeed because he has a ton of talent. But even him, I don't think it's a – you can't really write him down in pen as an impact guy either. No, for sure. I totally agree. It's like a really weird scenario with like the Browns. Like they got a lot of like good players, you know, like Denzel Ward, Newsome, John Johnson, yeah. like Miles Garrett. But where's the rest of the team? Yeah. You can't have star players and then a bunch of like third string guys. You and know? it's weird because I really, I really like their depth and their entire team like two years ago and coming into last year. Yeah. So. It's it's very strange how it changed so fast. Like even Watson stuff aside, like the rest of the team has definitely taken a step back as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just very confusing with like what they're really doing here. Yeah, and they also signed uh, Bojo Corey Bolorquez, who's the Packers punter last year. You know, he's not that bad, but he also can't. He's very bad at uh, holds. Like that was he's part of the reason our special teams was such a disaster last year. So we'll see how that goes. You're pairing him with a rookie kicker. You know, I'm yeah. just saying that could go bad. I mean, maybe it's just the Packers special teams uh, voodoo effect. So, but at the same I mean, time, I don't. I wouldn't worry about it too. But I no, also- I, I'm just I just wanted to point it out because I saw him I saw Corey Blorquez and a rookie kicker together and I was like that could be a problem just overall the Browns I don't I just don't like a lot of what they did like I, and I I like their coach I like their well I like their GM before he did the Watson stuff I thought he was doing a good job up until that point but I don't know personnel wise like you said they got talent but they also have a lack of depth so it'll be interesting to see where they go. I mean, looking at their schedule, it's very similar to the Steelers because same division, same teams that they play. But, you know, they're visiting Carolina for the rematch – or not the rematch, the the matchup against Baker in week one. Uh, and that's going to be without Watson. So, I mean, Baker might get some revenge there. For then sure. they got the Jets week two. I mean, no Zach Wilson there. So, you know, maybe they'll win that one. But then the Steelers visiting Atlanta, home for the Chargers, home for the Pats, in Baltimore, home for the Bengals. They also have a week nine bye, like the Steelers. Week 10, they're on the road for the Dolphins. Then they're visiting the Bills, home for Tampa. In Houston, in Cincy, home for the Ravens, home for the Saints. In Washington and in Pittsburgh to wrap up the season. Just like the Steelers, that's a hard schedule because it's very similar teams. But like, you know, like we said, I think we think this team's less talented than the Steelers, so it could be even more trouble. Yeah, no, I think especially like this back half of the season is really yeah. tough. Coming off the bye, look at those yeah. three teams. I, it's kind of insane. Like the Chargers and Pats, like those are two t- like and the Ravens as well. Like those are tough games in like that first half. Yeah. Then like the rest of it's like Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks, like the Bengals twice, the Ravens again. Like yeah, the Saints maybe depending on like how things work out for them. Like, I, I would say, yes, I'm high on the saints this year. It's like, they're kind of like sandwiched in between like the first few games and the last few games of the season are pretty easy or yeah. like could be easy. Well, I think they, they caught some bad luck here because Watson and we're, this is assuming Watson's only suspended six games, not the whole season. If it's the whole season, they're really screwed. But yeah. like this, their first six games, Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, and Patriots. Like, we already talked about the Patriots. We don't think they're that great. And then the Jets without Wilson, possibly Panthers, Falcons, but that's going to be without Watson. So like those are easy games, but they're not going to have their quarterback. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. It's definitely like, honestly, even the Texans, I think the Texans could totally beat the Browns. I'm not even gonna lie. The, the reason I say that though, is not necessarily because like the Texans are necessarily like the better team last season. Like they beat like the the Chargers when they had no business doing that. Right, right. Like I could totally see it. And this is the type of team that could blow a game. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. He hasn't had a full season to play. Like, and then you have to go back to Texas, where like all of this started so much. Your your villain number one to Texans fans. You know, I want to agree with you. I do, but I don't agree. Like, I don't think the Texans can stack up to the Browns, even with no, but I would like to see it happen. I would too. I think I would like to see Watson play terrible and not win any games, but you know, I I don't know if the talent he has is going to prove that that'll be proved to be the case. No, for sure. I guess, like, for me, I'm just, I'm just trying to find like that kind of like surprise, right? You know, like, oh, which is the game you didn't think was going to go that way. And honestly, it could be the Texans. 
There's that just so sense. much going into that game, you know? Right, and Texans are home. Yeah, okay, I could see it. I could see it. I would say if I had to predict, I would give them 6-11 and 11 with Watson. Yeah. But without him, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's two or three with this schedule. Like, the yeah, schedule, was, the schedule was, is a big part. I was going to say, I was going to say two and 15. I was going to be yeah. like, no. Yeah. I mean, oh, and boy. I want I want to see Jacoby do well. So, like, you know, that's – but I don't know. Even if he has an okay season, I still don't know if he could win yeah. more than two or three games. No, I agree. I don't – I don't think it's good. Like, even if he has an okay season, it's not good enough. Yeah, I agree. Like, you can't just run the ball, like, over and over. And we've seen Nick Chubb last year. He's not injury-prone, but he did have a small injury, and that caused him to miss time. Kareem Hunt missed time last year too, so I don't know. It's it just I'm just sad for the Browns fans. Like they deserve so much better than this after that 2020 season. But I just I just have this really sick feeling that they're gonna run Nick Chubb into the ground and it's gonna yeah. end badly. Yeah, if Kareem, Hunt, like if Kareem Hunt holds out, yeah, it's it's a shame because I am a big Nick Chubb fan. Like you know, like. I, I mean, I had him on my fantasy team last too. year. Like, I he did too. Popped off. Yeah. Like, I really like the guy, and I have a feeling they're going to run him into the ground because he's, like, that only, like, outside of, like, Njoku and Nick Mari Cooper, the only salvageable part about that offensive, like, right. skill position. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't I don't know. It's not looking great for them, and I feel bad for Browns fans. He finally had that year of hope and once yeah. again throw it all away. So, yeah. I mean, with Watson, do you think 6-11 and 11 is accurate? Where do you, where do you even go lower? I would say six, six and eleven sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that I, I don't really know what to say. It's just it, it's a bummer. Like this has definitely been the biggest bummer of a team we've previewed so far. But yeah, I don't know. I hope it goes well for them. But yeah, no. Like when you're talking like poverty franchises in the NFL, yeah. Browns is number one. I completely. I totally agree. What is it about the Browns that like? I don't know, man. Ever since they came back after they moved to Baltimore, but then they came back. It's like it's like they're living on borrowed time almost. Like they were already killed, and then they're, they came back from the grave, and it just hasn't gone well at all. Yeah, no. It's like <laughs> if if there's a God, God hates the Browns. Yeah, it's it's just funny because, like, the Ravens are the Browns. Like the, like, the team didn't fold. Like, they just became the Ravens. And then four years after that, the Ravens won a Super Bowl in 2000. And they've just been one of the most successfully run teams in the league their entire existence. And they're literally just, they started with the Browns. Ozzie Newsom, their longtime GM until a couple of years ago, he was a Browns guy, Browns tight end legend. And he became a Ravens legend instead as a front office guy once they moved. And just now the, the, the Browns 2.0 is just not gone according to plan whatsoever. It's, it's absurd. I don't understand. I, I like I and I feel for them. I really do. I don't think Browns fans deserve this, but no, not at all. At least they have the Cavaliers who seem to be up on the upswing. So we'll see. But they haven't brought back Colin Sexton. No, not yet. He's still a free agent. We'll have to see. They gotta bring him back. Bring my man back. <laughs> we'll have to see. I don't know if they want to pay him coming off the injury, but that's that's a ter- that's for trust the podcast. We can't talk about that right now. But uh <laughs> that's gonna wrap up this episode of the fan committee. It was a lot of fun talking about the Steelers. And then not as much fun talking about the Browns, but we still had to do it. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, And other than that, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening.